I knew I was a sinner, but I didn't know Jesus was the only way. I couldn't come to God my way. I couldn't come to God by my works. I couldn't come to God by things I did. The only way I could come to God was through Jesus. And I just sat there. And finally, I just fell down on my face. And I said, Jesus, if you're the only way, I mean the only way, I surrender. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you probably one of the most unique storytellers we've ever had. Doris shared at our Trestful Gathering, which is right outside of Birmingham, this past spring. And uh, you got this story. <laughs> well, first of all, she's 87 years young. Uh, correct. <laughs> and um, that's just so unique for us because there's so much wisdom in her story. Her story has tons of layers, and you're going to hear all of those. But the biggest thing about it is that it's really just a story about God's power in surrendering your life to Him and the transformation that takes place. I think it's going to encourage you so much. I'm excited for our Patreon insiders today because they will get even more of Doris. She answered questions at the live gathering, and so we've included those on Patreon today. If you are not a member, it is very simple to join. Just scroll down in our show notes right now, or you can go to storytellerslive.org and become a Patreon insider today, and you will be helping support our ministry. Here's Doris. This morning when I was studying in in Jeremiah, this is my prayer. Lord, you told Jeremiah that you would speak, you would you put your words in my in his mouth. And I'm asking you to put your words in my mouth. And you promised him you would root out and pull down and destroy and those throw down in order to build and to plant. And so and so my prayer was, Lord, glorify yourself tonight. Now let me just pray real quick. Father, thank you to speak through me. Glorify yourself. And I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight in your precious name. Amen. Amen. My testimony is the same as everybody's testimony. It's God's story with you. He pursued me and chased me when I certainly wasn't looking for him. And this is every one of our story. It's God, it's God's story as well. I was brought up in a church, a family that went to church. I went to Sunday school. We never missed church on Sunday morning, but I never heard the word Jesus except with slang. But we didn't miss church. I thought being a Christian meant going to church, maybe reading your Bible occasionally. I thought it was religious teachings and just learned what I could. Um, Baptism, all those things that most of us grow up believing. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But his death, his burial, the virgin birth, resurrection, really meant nothing to me. But I still thought I was a Christian. I had just finished college when I discovered I was pregnant. I was engaged to get married, and I was pregnant. What am I going to do? I tried beating on my stomach. I tried running around track field. I tried everything I could think of to get rid of this baby. Because I certainly did not want a baby. I was finishing up college. And that was the last thing I wanted. <clears throat> but we finally discovered abortion was the answer. So I had an abortion. And I was in a lot of pain. A lot of pain. I was alone when the baby passed. And it was hard, excruciating pain. From that time on, I had a, a spotting of bleeding. We didn't pay much attention to it. Got married. 
came back from the honeymoon, and I started hemorrhaging. And they thought I was going to die. I lost so much blood. I had a tiny piece of tissue that was stuck, and it was trying. It was forcing its way out, and it was forcing its way out of my body, and it could not get out any other way. My parents, I would have stayed in my parents' house. They rushed me to the doctor. In the emergency room, the doctor said, well, she's had an abortion, and this is a piece of tissue. It's kind of interesting, but in Luke 12, too, it says, but there's, there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden it not be known. So you think you're hiding things? No, you're not. <laughs> it will come out someplace. The next few years, I had three children and two atopic pregnancies. Now, atopic pregnancies are very common in people who have had an abortion or even Plan B, for those who know what I'm talking about. So even with Plan B, you're, you're very likely to have atopic pregnancies. Had that went on. Finally, it was, he, my husband was finished with medical school. We were going off. We went to the military for two years, and it was a, a fun time, a great time. Bill had a good friend that would <clears throat> come and visit, and Darrell was, came to visit us. He was a colonel, and he would fly in, and he needed a place to stay, and he would stay with us. And one night, <clears throat> my husband had an emergency. He had to go. He had this emergency, and he had left to go to the hospital. I'm in the bed going to sleep. My children are in the bed in the room. And Daryl came in and raped me. And I did what every, every woman that's raped, I'll tell you what you do. For those who've been raped know, you don't tell anybody. You feel somewhat shame. You feel embarrassed. And the, that, their sin becomes your sin. Because you continue to have this, this pain of this, what happened to you. That you did not want to happen, but it happened. And so you hold on to this all your life. You hold on to their sin becomes your sin. And you beg. You beg God. You beg a person to stop you. Try everything, but it doesn't. The sad part about it is, is how we believe that we did something. What did I do wrong? Why was I there? What did I, what was, what did I do wrong? And that's where, where the pain comes because you, you shift it onto yourself. Well, we finally left Texas and we went to Birmingham. When we got to Birmingham, my husband's OBGYN doctor, and he's, and he's determined that he's going to make a go in this building that we started working on. And we fixed up this old building, and he's re- what happened was the more that he worked on it, the more he became determined, and he began. We had our doctors that were getting girls pregnant, and we, he was doing abortion for them. And I would comfort these girls. You know, misery loves company. You feel bad about what you've done, so it's okay. You want to, you want to make somebody else feel good, and that went on. That, um, but abortion is big money, and we had a lot of money coming in, a lot of money. I mean, I had these gorgeous clothes. Thought nothing of spending money on clothes. It's funny because I immediately, when after I got saved, I didn't want those clothes. <laughs> So I, I use secondhand clothes now, so, and that's probably why. I've, I've always wondered why I did it, but that's so. But so we began to spend money a lot, and I had a lot of money. And we, we went to church. Everything was going, but, you know, in First Timothy 6, 9, it says, But those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. And that's exactly what was happening to us. Drinking, partying, money spent, everything. Until one day, we went to church, and my husband was asked to take up the collection. And after he finished, this man came up to him, and he said, With the profession you've got, you have no business taking doing anything in a church. We left the church and never came back. So it was over. 
we were ruined. And then tragedy struck. My daughter was 13 years old when a car hit her and killed her. I was devastated. I was close with my children, I, everything, and, but right here was the end, her. She, she was dead. I couldn't do anything about it. And I would climb up this big mountain, and I'd get up to the mountain, and I had the 23rd Psalm I'd learned as a child. That's all I had. And I would just climb up that mountain, and I would just, I would, I would talk about this, this, about this, the Lord and the shepherd, and I would just get up the mountain, and I would talk to God, and I'd talk to Lisa. See, I didn't have Jesus. I had information. I just didn't have transformation. And I'd go up there, and with her death, everything changed in my life. I began to drink Jack Daniels. It was a good sleeping pill. And I, would, and I was not an alcoholic, but I would take two drinks. That was it. And that went on for 25 years, two drinks every night. And I, we had a farm, and I had this farm, and I began to think about it. I was told as a child, you're not anybody if you don't make money. So I figured out how I could make money. I got in the cattle business. I got in the registered business. And registered animals were a good tax write-off. So I'm going to use that too. <laughs> and so I looked back at the things that, that I, I, I became engrossed in raising cattle. I went around the country. I bought the top animals I could get. I had money to spend so I could buy these top animals. I bought the top animals. Bought interest in a million-dollar bull. $20,000 worth of bull power that I had my part in it and began to, and I went off to school I went to I went to Kansas to learn how to artificially breed all by myself freezing weather and the only place my hand I was warm was when my hand was up inside a cow learning how to breed a cow and so <laughs> but I but that but that was so I was learning everything I could about the cattle business and I began to build a good herd I had good cattle I had a good bull and so my cow herd was growing. People were then beginning to want my animals because I had good animals. They were Brangus, a cross of Brahma and Angus. And I was very pleased with what I had. And my animals began to, um, people would just call me up on the phone, I want, I want a bull for this. And I, and I would ask questions, what are you trying to do with your herd? And I'd ask the questions, different questions about the herd. And so about what they wanted to do. Because I would, then I would find the right bull for them. Then I had this bright idea one day. I was going to read the Bible. I knew of people that just had all this peace, and I was going to read the Bible. So I got a Bible, and it was the most boring book I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> I could not understand it. it over my head. Well, I'll tell you why I couldn't understand it. The Bible is God's love letter to his children. I was not his child. I was reading somebody else's mail and trying to understand it, but I didn't understand it. The next year, I was going to read it again. I started, I can't tell you how many times I attempted to read the Bible. And I failed because it was a boring book. Now, I was starting Genesis every time, but anyway. But, um, but, I, but I was really writing this, but I was really a warning. I wanted this piece. I wanted something. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I wanted something. And, um, but this man came to me one day. He said to me, he says, Dar Slappy, one of these days you're going to meet Jesus. And when you do, the love you have for these cows will be nothing compared to the love you're going to have for Jesus. And I laughed and I said, oh, okay. Please be nice, you know. Well, then one day my husband comes in and he wants a divorce. He does not want to be married. He wants to marry his mistress of 20 years. 
I mean, the rugs went out from under me. I loved my husband. I thought he was just, I couldn't want anything more than my husband. And he walks out. And when he walks out, I'm absolutely in shock. And I just screamed at God, who are you? And I answered myself, and I said, you love me, and I don't know who you are. I ran back to my daughter's bedroom, and I had picked up this newspaper. And I think Linda had maybe taken me to church. I can't remember. And I went to church, and I picked up this newspaper from the church. And across the front, it says, why worry? God takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. And I said, will you really take care of me? I mean, would you really take care of me? And I right there, I just began to read. And the first thing I read was, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will come into being. I had no earthly idea what God's righteousness was. But I thought, okay. And then I read, Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Okay. And then I read, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I knew I was a sinner. But I didn't know Jesus was the only way. I couldn't come to God my way. I couldn't come to God by my works. I couldn't come to God by things I did. The only way I could come to God was through Jesus. And I just sat there. And finally, I just fell down on my face. And I said, Jesus, if you're the only way, I mean the only way, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender everything I am to be what you want me to be. I want you. I, I want to surrender. I want, now, when I got pregnant out of wedlock, when I, everything that ever happened to me in life, I would go to God. I wanted to die. See, I wanted the easy way out. And so, but this day, that wasn't right. All of a sudden, as I am crying out to God, the Holy Spirit just came upon this might and power just came upon me, and I just felt this overpowering love of me, of me, and I just surrendered completely to the Lord. I sat, got that Bible out, and that book, every page had my name on it, dear Doris. <laughs> every page had my name on it. As I began to read, and as I began to read, and I read the Bible for two hours straight. Now during that time, Linda was putting a Bible in my mailbox. I had a borrowed Bible. She was sticking one in my mailbox. And she called me up on the phone and she said, I just put something in your mailbox for you. And I said, oh, okay. You know, because I don't um, I said, you're not going to believe what's just happened to me. And I thought, she's going to think I'm crazy. But so I'm going to stop right there. But anyway, as, but I had to, the, the Holy Spirit was just so powerful that I just knew. You know, God says, I, I will give you a new spirit I'll give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in obedience to my word. The very moment that I surrendered, God literally breathed himself into me. I felt this love of God. God breathed himself into me. And that was the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ is in me. I got up, and I told you all, I drank every day. I fixed myself a drink. It's dark. It's what you do at dark. I fixed myself a drink, and I sat down at the table, and I said, God, do Christians drink? I couldn't pick it up. 
I'll never know when I, I poured it out. But 25 years of drinking every night, I never touched it again. I mean, that's a praise God right there. I mean, was alcohol my worst sin? Oh, no. God was showing me his power with my surrender, with my wanting to do what God, and God saw in my heart that I never, as a matter of fact, it's just the worst stinking stuff you can imagine. Jack Daniel is strong, and I drank it on the rocks for years. And when I quit, I don't know. Being a new Christian, I committed myself to loving my ex-husband, that I would be kind to him, I would be good to him. And I was reading all these things, and somebody came to me and told me I needed to take marriage without regret. And I said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. My husband is divorcing me. He does not want to get back with me. And you want me to take a course about marriage without regret? She said, I really do. Because I respected this person, I took the course. Well, let me say this. No pancake so thin it doesn't have two sides. (laughs) Remember that because it's true. And I just... As I devoured the Word of God as I was reading it and studying it, and I got in, and the more I read it, the more I studied But it really helped me to, read, to see some of the things I had done. But I was committed to helping him, and he wanted me to work for him. He said, I will pay you a very good salary. And I said, no, I, I can't do that. So, I, But I committed. I was going to said, I'll help you get things straight. So I started getting, helping get the farm together, and I worked with the people, and he, he would do the, in, the mechanical part and the engines and stuff, and I would do the bush hogging and stuff like that. I would drive a tractor five hours a day. Thought nothing of driving a tractor five hours a day. Had a big old tractor, great big tractor, had air conditioning, had radio, and I could just get on that tractor and just drive around. But I committed to helping him, and one day I was on a little small tractor, and I was bush hogging a field. Now, bush hogging means that the blades are behind you. You're, you're pulling them. They're not under the, there's a belly. It's not a belly cut. It's, you pull it, bush hog. Some of y'all may not know it. But anyway, I was on this tractor, and I'm bush hogging, and I'm going up a high hill. And I would go up, and I was just talking to the Lord up a storm. And um, the more I'd go up, I would talk. And so I'm going up that hill, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, my I had this gorgeous black German shepherd, and she's following me. <clears throat> well, I get down to the bottom of the hill. It's prop time. <laughs> I get down to the bottom of the hill, <clears throat> and this this dog goes and jumps on my tractor. Now, she had never, ever been on my tractor. Never. You don't put dogs on a tractor. It's dangerous. It's dangerous enough for you, let alone for the dog. She gets on the tractor, and in my weakness, I said, oh, Okay. And I start up the hill, and I've got this dog, and I'm holding on to her collar with everything I've got, and the rocks are flying every which way behind me. Things are going, and I'm saying, God, don't let me lose my dog. Help me with the dog. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just spoke to my brain. This is what I want from you. I want complete trust and surrender, complete trust. And I just broke down. I just cried. God wanted me. I was his and he was mine. I'll never leave you. I'll never depart from you. I want you to trust me. And I, that was just one of the little things that God did. To make things worse, my husband wanted me to hate him. If he could make me hate him, he would feel better about what he was doing. And he would come by the house and he would steal things. He would do things. One day we were fixing a pipe and he, my son-in-law was helping me. Came out and some of the parts were missing. I mean, he was just anything he could do. He was misery loves company, and um, he was unmiserable. So, 
And he wanted to tell me, though. He came by himself one day, and he said, I want to just tell you this. I had affairs with most of your friends. And he began to tell me about different people he had had affairs with. I'm broken. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my best to love him, be nice to him. But I couldn't be nice to him. At that moment, I hated him. And he left, and I went to my window, and I took my fist up, and I raised my fist at God, and I said, Don't you dare ask me to love that man. Don't you ask me to love him. Don't you even mention anything. And then I ran back to my little prayer room, and I fell on my knees, and out of my mouth came God's words. And I said, God, I can't love him, but you can and you can help me love him. And I want to love him through you, Lord. I can't do it, Lord, but you can. And I'm just going to trust you completely. And God gave me a sweet love. Now, did I always say that? No, I'd have, I'd have moments. I'd go back, and then I'd just confess it and deal with it. But let me just give you a little warning here. If you have some unforgiveness in your heart, maybe somebody's raped you, maybe somebody's left you, deserted you, maybe divorced you, it doesn't matter what it is, don't pray the Lord's Prayer. Because when you pray the Lord's Prayer, what you're saying is, Lord, forgive me as I have forgiven them. And don't take communion. Because when you take communion, some are sick and some are weak and some die. So there are a lot of stipulations about forgiveness. And it's not easy. But God began to work in my life. And it just He just gave me that, that, that sweet love. And He's my friend now. I'm nice to Him. Whenever I have my children over for a meal, I always invite Him. And God just gave me that, that I can be his friend. Would I want to be married to him again? No, thank you, Lord. But, <laughs> but God gave me a hunger for his word, an unusual. And I just, but every day, my, that was my prayer. Lord, make me hungry. Make me hungry for your word. And Lord, would you, while you're at that, would you restore the years that the locusts ate? Because I, I found that scripture, and I thought, okay, that's, that's me. The locusts had eaten away at my life. And so but God just began to work. And I began to work at different ministries and, and different things. Traveling, God just opened the doors for me to go to different countries. Somebody would ask me to go, and off I'd go. It's just amazing. But then before I close, I want to share this to y'all. You remember that prophecy I told you about that the man said to me, someday you loved you? Well, that's just what exactly. He had prophesied that would happen, and that's exactly what did happen. God gave me a love for people. I mean, Unreal love for people. I, but the, it got so bad at my house that I'd bring people home all the time. I mean, I, it was constantly. My daughter would meet them at the door. We serve at 5 o'clock, and you do your own dishes. <laughs> and then walk through the house and go on. And I would see things, people on the side of the road, and I would help them. And it's a miracle. God was just, God protects new Christians and fools, and I was both, you know, so he was doing well. But, I mean, how God just began to protect me and give me a love. And I look back right now at Save a Life. This is a great ministry. The, and I look at Save a Life. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with Save a Life, but we work with pregnancy and um, STDs and all these things. And as a result, I can minister to these people. You have, to be, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to tell these people. But because of this, God opens doors for me almost every Friday. If y'all think about me on Fridays, I'm every, 19 years, I'm going on 20 years doing Save a Life. But I'm the, I get blessed. I never forget, two or three years ago, I wake up one morning, and I said, God, it's my birthday. Would you give me a birthday present today? Lord, I want to be a part of some people coming to the kingdom today. Four people prayed to receive the Lord that day. Four people. 
I'm driving home, and just the Spirit reminded me, do you remember your prayer? I answered your prayer. Now, I don't know who drove to get me home, but I did get home safely. <laughs> but God was driving. There was no doubt of that. But, um, but I just wanted to share with you all, because this is really important. So many of you all, and I see so many people, we have information, but we don't have transformation. We know about Jesus, and we believe in Jesus. But we've never come to that time that we've surrendered to Jesus. And there's a big, big difference that you surrender. It's, it's lordship. And because he says in Romans 10 now that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God, all God asks of you is to repent and to believe that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And that's all God asks for. He doesn't ask you to get your life right. All of us seem to think, I got to get my life, I got to get right, and then I'll come to Jesus. No, 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 no. You, you couldn't get yourself right because you tried before. You don't have that ability to get yourself right. Only God can do that. But the moment you repent and the minute that you call upon Jesus, that's when, when God moves in and changes your heart. That's when God does his work. I would like to pray right now if there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus. It's just a sinner prayer. Just repeat in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I know, God, that you sent your son to die for me on the cross and you resurrected him, that I could be holy and righteous before a holy, righteous God. Take my life and glorify yourself and use me for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I always love it when one of our storytellers ends their story with prayer. And I just thought it was so sweet that Doris, it wasn't just a prayer, but it was like an invitation for you to invite Jesus into your heart. So many things that I want to talk about with her story. But one of those that just really spoke to me is I think a lot of people think that, you know, you have to have um, the right words to ask God to show up in your life. And I love the fact that she said, you know, I screamed at God, who are you? And then yet, within her spirit, she answered herself. And he said, you know, basically, I live in you. And she said, you live in me, and I don't know who you are. And it just made me think of this concept of, of God can handle our screams at Him, but we have to be willing to listen to His whispers to us as well. Oftentimes, He speaks in those, those still moments, and we don't position ourselves to receive it. And I thought that that was just you know, a good reminder for us to, yeah, scream all you want at God, tell Him life's not fair, I don't know where you are, but then listen and see what He says back to you. You know, a lot of times we talk about how God speaks differently to everybody. And another way that sh- that God spoke to her was through the man that told her that one day she would love Jesus more than she loved her cows. <laughs> that was incredible. And it was amazing, but she held on to that. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. It wasn't immediate. You know, it took a long time for her to get there. But when she did, she was able to go, that man spoke a word to me that I mm-hmm. that I knew was true. I just didn't know what that was going to look like in my life. This story meant so much to me because I have the privilege of living across the street from Doris. My husband has actually reached out to her because you would not believe this, but she has the most fantastic garden. I mean, she if there's ever a famine, I'm going to Doris's house <laughs> because it, it's just incredible. But every time we interact with Doris, 
she talks about Jesus, mm. and it is just naturally in mm-hmm. her spirit. I mean, it is who she is. And so, you know, her her life is a lifetime movie. I mean, oh. it is amazing everything that God allowed her to experience. And yet she kept saying, I've got to be good enough for God. I've got to get everything cleaned up before I can go to Him. And going back to what you were saying, Katie, she just kept talking to Him. Mm -hmm. She just kept crying Mm -hmm. out at different times of her life. And now He truly is just inhabiting her. And and every time He talked to her, she talks about Jesus. You know, Lindy, you saying that, it just reminded me at the end of her story, she spoke about her birthday. And she said, Lord, I just want you to give me a gift for my birthday. Would somebody come to Jesus on my birthday? And she said, what, five people were saved or something like that? I was like, you know, Lord, help me to live outside of my selfishness and think in those terms. And it's a, it is, again, another reminder of just living on point for Jesus. And, and every morning saying, Lord, how can let your favor be upon me so that others will see who you are? And I think that's exactly how she walked. You know, another thing that she mentioned in her story was this concept of, of restoring the years that the locust ate. Lindy, uh, you mentioned that before we actually started recording. And it's a concept that a lot of our storytellers talk about. That is found in Joel chapter 2, if you want to go and read that. But it's just this idea that God can take the years in your life where you were living for yourself, and He can not only restore those, but double the portion out of them as well. And I really don't know that we've had a story, and maybe it's because Doris is 87, but I cannot remember a story of someone who has lived so much life, Mm. so much difficulty, and walks with immense joy. (laughs) When I coached her on the phone before she shared her story, I texted our entire team and said, I'm out of town when Doris shares. You all have to go. (laughs) This woman being in her presence, even being on the phone, you were so filled with the Holy Spirit, you felt like you could knock down a wall. (laughs) Like, yes, Lord, you know, let's go. And to then go back and hear her full story mm-hmm. of all that she's walked through and just the power that she lives in now. Mm-hmm. This woman's amazing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, even going into the the information versus transformation, we could do a whole uh, discussion on that of just the importance of so often we go to church, we, we are fed with God's Word, we know God's Word, we can quote it, you know, all these things, but we are not transformed by it. And that was a huge point of her story as well. We hope that y'all loved Doris's story as much as we did, and that really that the Lord spoke to you. Odds are good that you've walked through maybe one of the things she's talked about, one or two of the things. Maybe some of you have walked through all of these events. But we just pray that today the Lord would just bring hope to you, that seeing Doris's life and where God has brought her with the transformation would just be such an encouragement to your soul today. Thanks for listening. We cannot wait for next week's story. We have um, Jennifer Mayer. We, I feel like we're just story after story of great, great ones. <laughs> um, so go on and look forward and mark next week. A great way you can do that is actually subscribe to our podcast. And it will show up in your podcast feed automatically. So if you are not, if you don't follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, just click the follow or subscribe button. And that way you won't forget when our stories pop up. Have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>